This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's the week you've all been waiting for. Penn State, Michigan State, the land-grant trophy, bowl scenarios, championship week, next week that Penn State won't be in. It's it's all happening. The end of the season, blue-white electric, daily edition coming at you right now. That's the worst one you've done so far. It's terrible, objectively terrible. But happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, you know, maybe our numbers will be down because of Thanksgiving. Maybe it'll be down because of your intro. Who's to say? But Penn State does have the land the land grant trophy coming to town. Michigan State, a program that Penn State has struggled with at times, not particularly great this year. Um, took a step back after Mel Tucker signed that giant extension. Um, so I mean, this is wolf. this is what we've got right now. Yeah, wolf indeed. Um, but we got plenty to talk about today on the Blue White Daily. Um, Nate, it's great to see you. I'm Sean Fitz. We we uh, didn't pay attention to intros. It is the holiday season, so just get them in, get them out. That's what we do. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, you know, there's any number of possibilities, but it seems like uh, coming after Tuesday night's news of the college football playoff rankings, you know, there were a couple of losses in front of Penn state. Uh, It's, it seems like there's some displeasure out there in, in Penn state land regarding potential bowl scenarios. I mean, there is, but the committee has been fairly clear that they don't care about wins over Indiana, Maryland and Rutgers, which, you know, give them credit. Those are three bad teams. Penn State has has been dominant. They've taken care of business, but other teams, I think, just have done more. Now uh, you can you can make an argument against Tennessee, who you know looked very bad against South Carolina and lost their quarterback. That's a very important game this weekend. Vandy versus Tennessee. Can't believe I'm saying that. Vandy trying to get uh, our my guy Barton Simmons and Vandy trying to get uh, over the hump, get to a bowl game. Um, that'd be a, that'd be a cool upset. You know, if you're a Penn State fan, you're rooting for Vandy hard this week um, because there's there's chaos um, as we've mentioned. Throughout the last month, the chaos factor at Penn State, very low. Now, granted, they have not played their best ball against Michigan State over the over the years. And that that remains the one toss up that we were talking about in the last couple of weeks or the last month of the season, essentially in November. Um, but the chaos factor is there with Vandy playing Tennessee, Auburn and Alabama, which Auburn was very bad, but they've played better. Cadillac Williams has done a heck of a job. Um, and maybe there's some craziness there because Alabama looks like it's it's gone through the motions. Now they're fairly more, uh, you know, they're the, the more dominant, more talented team, no doubt about it, but that's a weird game every year. Yep. Do you want to root for Notre Dame if you're a Penn State fan? I know it's it's sacrilegious, um, but uh, that's that's certainly something that can happen because USC is a, a key cog, not so much in the bottom of the New Year's Six, um, you know, where we're trying to figure out the at-large bids, which, which would be Penn State. But at the top there, you take all the if, – if you're a Penn State fan, you take all the playoff competitors out that you can. That means USC and TCU, 
because that means you're you're wanting Ohio State and Michigan to get into the playoff, which means Rose Bowl for Penn State. So yep. plenty of scenarios still out there. I know you hate talking bowl scenarios, especially in November before all the, the chaos can shake out. But I fell on the sword for you on this one and talked about them. I heard you had a great rant on Monday. I didn't catch it. I apologize no. for that. Um, no. But uh, that's that's kind of where we're at with this. So let's, let's get back to your wheelhouse and we'll talk about the actual team. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that because happy Thanksgiving, I, buddy. You know, you know what, a, what a way to send me into it. Um, yeah. So uh, for Penn State and what they are doing currently, I think that the uh, largest topic at hand, right, is James Franklin announcing on a Tuesday that Parker Washington will miss the rest of the season. Uh, but maintaining a glimmer of hope, maybe that Olu Fashanu and Joey Porter return before the end of this season. Uh, I, I just want to read the quote because I think it's important. We, you know, I love parsing words um, with James Franklin because he always leaves himself a little bit of wiggle room. Olu Fashanu, quote, Olu Fashanu, we expect back. When that is, we'll see. Hopefully this weekend, we'll see how that plays out. And same thing with Joey Porter. Uh, you know, where, where do you fall on this? I know where I fall. It's it's my expectation has been for quite a while that Olafashanu would not return this season. Maybe, maybe there's a possibility. I mean, certainly I can't see this weekend, but maybe there's a possibility in a bowl, depending on on what it is, where it is. Uh, Joey Porter, you know, two weeks after an appendectomy, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but you just but buried one. Yeah, no, I know it, it, but it's, it doesn't seem great. Like it doesn't, I mean, seem, it doesn't sound great, especially for yeah. a guy that's got to turn and run and do all that sort of thing. I, I have no, I mean, I, I see people saying that, that guys have come back from Minka Fitzpatrick came back for it with, or from it in a couple of weeks, but everyone's different. Everyone heals different. So I'm not. Obviously, this is a situation where it's it's not a sprained ankle where you can tape it up. You know, this is a very different situation. But the way that Penn State approaches its injury announcements when the few times that they do is you're out for the season and the bowl game like this is, this is there's a month in between there or five yeah. weeks in between there. So a lot can happen in five weeks. So if there's a chance that Olu or or anybody could be back for the bowl game, they're not going to announce it. Now, Parker's yep. done. This is something yep. Talked about on Friday um, on, on our message boards to expect James Franklin to say that after the game, he opted to push it back a couple of days to uh, to confirm that news. But uh, yeah, Penn State, if they can do anything that they can to hold out hope that so they're going to get somebody back for the bowl game, they're not going to announce a season ending injury, even if it's in fact a season season ending injury with the exception yeah. of Fisher, which is obviously a different uh, different thing. Seeing him travel uh, and play this weekend, still unbelievable that he's back and doing what he's doing. And hopeful for the future at that, but I've done that rant six times, so I'm not going to do that one again. But yeah, <laughs> you can get a guy yeah. in the bowl game, whether he's playing or not. You know, you you hold open that opportunity, and college coaches are as paranoid as they can be about finding any single advantage that they can. And these are two pretty big advantages for Penn State, for sure. I think um, you know the one thing that that is interesting in terms of the reaction and the conversation about it is the assumption of opt-outs, which, like, I will say, and maybe this is me being naive, but last year was the anomaly for Penn State specifically. 
the, the number of opt-outs that they had for that bowl game coming off of the season that they had, uh, I, I understood it. I don't know that that will necessarily be the the long-term thing at Penn State. I mean, it, it, it just, again, reading between the lines, it seems to me that James Franklin has been has taken it somewhat of a point of pride that they have had guys in position to, I mean, certainly Saquon Barkley is the guy, the first one that comes to mind playing in that Fiesta Bowl. Right. And so if, if Penn state finds itself in a particular bowl situation, I'm not of the mindset yet that you're going to see really anything resembling the wave of opt-outs that you saw from Penn state last season. Yeah, Is that fair? I, mean, the, I love the Outback Bowl or whatever it's called, the Tampa Bay Bowl or whatever it's called now. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is lower on the pecking order. I mean, there that there is something to be said for that when you're going to play a New Year's Six Bowl. It's, it's more important than those other bowls, and it's a better competition level and things like that. And also, you look at last year, and Penn State had three top 50 draft picks or guys that were projected in the top 50. So you get that. It was a long season, seven and six season. Um, so you've got really – you know, so much that you are seven and five regular season. Sorry. Um, you've got really, I think less volatility in that this year um, with yep. this roster. I still think there'll be guys that certainly consider it heavily, if not opt out. But uh, yeah, I think that it, it's, it's a little bit different this year. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm just putting it out there that I'm not, I'm not jumping on that bandwagon uh, on the Joey like, Porter is sitting out because he wants to preserve his draft stock or had an appendectomy because he wanted to sit out. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. An, an, an optional appendectomy. Um, Saturday, senior day. It, it's a topic of conversation, so I feel like we have to address it, uh, even though it gets a little muddy. It, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, you know, certainly becomes a a a good talking point for television stories. Um, these guys all give blood, sweat, tears to the Penn State football program. And so there, yes, there's a lot of emotion involved. A lot of, all of those things are fine, but uh, let's be practical about this. Anybody who goes out there, who went out there last year, right? The, the overwhelming majority of players are, are still going to have this extra bonus year of eligibility. And so I thought that it would be at least somewhat productive to talk about the guys who cannot come back. They're, they have exhausted their uh, eligibility, uh, and those are Barney and Moore, Jair Brown, Sean Clifford, P.J. Mustafer, Chris Stoll, John Sutherland, and Mitch Tinsley. And so, uh, you know, in terms of the questions that are inevitably going to come yesterday, or excuse me, um, Tuesday for... James Franklin, it was it was about Parker Washington, and obviously that would be an early entry, but it just it feels to me as though this these are bridges to be crossed in the future for literally everybody else on the team, right? There's, Transfers. There's, there's still lots of yeah, there's still lots of conversations to be had here, and uh, you know you've got seniors that are not don't have that plus beside them. You mentioned all the guys that that had the plus, um, so there will be you know options there for those guys, and you wonder. You know, if, if guys want to, we we saw Shane Simmons a couple of years ago going to the transfer portal, end up playing at Marshall. You know, guys that have exhausted their eligibility who aren't in the plans next year at Penn State yep. may have that opportunity to do so. So there's just with the COVID year, which 
was made with good intentions, but really is just throwing a wrench into everything. Now um, yeah. you've got those, those questions. It's, and it's really funny because Penn state, you mentioned um, the senior day list. They sent that out at what? 11 o'clock on Friday night last year. So yeah. they're trying to keep things, uh, you know, as ambiguous as possible. Usually it used to come out on Monday with the, the game notes. And now all of a sudden it's a state secret. So yeah. that's fun speculation throughout the week. And of course we're, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it, we're recording on Wednesday morning because this show is going to come out on Thanksgiving. Um, so there's a lot that, that can change. We, we get James Franklin later. Um, unfortunately it just didn't work out where we can record after talking to him, uh, this evening. So, it, there's a lot to be talked about in the latter half of the week. And that'll be something that, that comes from speculation in the written word, not so much in the podcast form. Yeah, I do. I do think that, uh, you know, for what it's worth and I, I don't know, maybe everybody understands this, maybe they don't, but the way that the sixth years worked out for this season, very obviously it, it is an intentional process, right? <laughs> yes. There are guys who have, the technical ability to return for an extra year of eligibility, but it's, it's a two-way street. And that really exists for everybody in the program, right? Is you, you are invited to return or you are not. It's a care confrontation. Thank you for your service and, you know, he- head on your way. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think like, I think it'll be interesting to see how that works for Penn state uh, for guys who, could come back, might not come back. We'll see. Yeah. Lots yeah, I mean, of lots of. Yeah, there's guys that I mean, it, it worked out pretty well for some of these guys. Um, you got starters of them. I know, you know, Clifford's been a whipping boy. Sutherland's been a whipping boy. But you know, getting that extra year out of Jair Brown and PJ Mustafer and Chris Stoll, even of course, um, you know, my guy, the long snapper. You know that, that those things matter. So, not so much guys that have an NFL decision to make, but. Nick Tarburton, they would love to have Nick, Nick Tarburton yeah, back next year. You exactly. know, he's, he's been around for a long time, been a starter. Uh, Bryce Effner, another guy that they would love to have around. Uh, I think Juice Scruggs probably has a decision to make, but you've got guys on the roster, Jake Penninger, um, that have played a lot of football, have been good for you and good for uh, the role that they've played. I think that's where it gets interesting is do you bring back, you know, if you bring back Effner, like, I don't know that it's in the cards for him to start, but I think it's in the cards for him to play the same role that he played this year. And it's been a valuable role. So, yep. um, and you've gotten more out of him than you've gotten out of golden Achumba and Jimmy Christ and, and guys that are younger than him that, uh, you know, maybe have some growth left, but also maybe don't. So yep. the, there, there's a, there's a value in the known commodity that you have in some of these guys. And I think that that's what makes it very interesting for some of these seniors that will walk out um, excluding the eight that you mentioned, or sorry, seven that you mentioned uh, that physically cannot come back in a player role. You know, they they might be GAs here at some point. They might just stay for another five years or whatever, um, but they, they cannot come back and play. Yeah. Uh, So that's, that is to be determined. We'll, we'll talk about all that stuff at a later time when that clarifies. I have a question. I do have a question. Yeah. Thank you. what is the, uh, I missed my cue there. What is the vibe <laughs> at Penn State regarding all this right now? Uh, thank you so much. That was so thoughtful of you, Sean. Um, Handsome question. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I had a conversation uh, with T. Frank really all off season, right? So all through the summer about the vibe. Uh, and it's stupid. I, I instantly regret calling it that. But what, 
Penn State football was going to be like in the aftermath of the seasons that it had just had previously. Uh, and so fast forward, right? Uh, are they going to be, are they going to be motivated or are, are people down or people on edge? Like all of that stuff was in flux and felt like it was in flux at the beginning of the season or going into the season. And here they are and they are 10 and one, or excuse me, nine and two, hoping to become 10 and two. And James Franklin was asked uh, on Tuesday about, you know, being at peace. And I, I thought it was an interesting question uh, because it was framed under the, the, the umbrella of James Franklin being in a name attached to other jobs at this time of year in previous years. Last year, obviously, I think today, actually, the 23rd, was when Franklin signed his 10-year contract extension. Uh, and and Franklin put it out there. He was like, hey, I, I can't control the questions like he that he doesn't control when his name is attached to other jobs and the questions that are asked about that. But what he did say was, yeah, that, that, that this is real. The, the alignment that they have, that he has in terms of pushing for the same things with the board of trustees chair, uh, Matt Schuyler, the new university president, Dr. Neely Bendapudi, and Pat Kraft, the new athletic director. Like that's, that's real. His, his at easeness, uh, that's not a word yesterday uh, on Tuesday it, during his press conference was it and the way that he has carried himself this year is very much a symptom of the bigger picture moving in the direction that he wants it to to, to go right and so uh he he said I thought it was very interesting he said that for uh that this is the the most he has felt in his 12 years as a head coach that he's able to concentrate solely on the football side of things rather than these side battles that you need to constantly scratch and claw for to get where you want to go in major college football. I talk about them all the time. I know people get tired of hearing about it, but it's just, I, I, I do see that you see uh, his, the way that he carries himself and the way that the program has coalesced around just just being right like all of these side distractions feel like they have gone by the wayside a little bit this season and so it's it's a good place i think for penn state to be as it closes out the season obviously they still need to beat michigan state and then let the chips fall where they may with you know however things work out with the bowl but from a broader overall perspective manny diaz there on the screen right now like a lot of good mojo for Penn State football uh, as it stands right now. It, it's not so much the big things. It's the little yeses. And that's what he's talked about in the past is, is going to get something. And the conversations have been between Franklin and the administration, the new administration, is that, hey, can we get this done? And the new administration has more so been, well, why weren't we already doing that? You know, that, that, that's been the thing. There's so much at Penn State, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have, have interacted with Penn State in terms of the bureau, bureaucracy that goes with it. There's a lot of things that they can 
sweep through and, and take care of without having to deal with the chain of command and, and so many assistant athletic director, all, all that kind of stuff. So that's, I think that's what he's talking about the most is the little yeses that it takes, you know, Penn state has had a bunch of its class of 2023 already accepted, you know, that before they had yeah. to wait until, totally. you know, the last possible second with, with everyone else. I and mean, it's just little things like that. You don't, you don't even think about some of the stuff that pops up with it. So getting on the same page, getting that alignment that they've talked about that he's talked about for so long, it's there. I mean, it was, well, it's almost there, you know, it, it's starting to be and, and uh, NIL throws a huge wrench into everything with everybody. It's huge. But at the same time, it's so much more, it's so much closer to happening than, than I think we thought it would have been a year or two ago. I, I, I will take it a step beyond what you just said and you say to, to, yeah. to, <laughs> I love it. Uh, to, to hear from the administrative side of things, hey, we've been looking at this, 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 and this. How would like to be approached about doing things rather than the impetus constantly coming from football, right? From from football side of things, trying to to drag forward, uh, getting getting like you said those yeses. Um, I just I just think that there is a a difference in having all of these other forces being proactive, being proactive about how to take. Uh, he, he said it. He said it on on Tuesday about Packraft fighting not just for Penn State football, but for for Penn State athletics on the whole. But that that fight is is it right? It's it it is a fight. It is a a. Uh, again, a, a kicking, scratching, clawing thing where you you have got to get squeeze as much juice as you possibly can out of the resources that you have to propel this thing forward. And uh, again, it's it's not there. there. There's so much more room for growth and and so many benchmarks that are yet to be met. But it it's progress, and that for Penn State, I think, is. A, a positive for James Franklin. And, and it helps having Pat Kraft, who you could have at your tailgate shotgunning beers and you, you wouldn't think <laughs> twice. So like, this is the sort of guy that's that for Penn state football. And I feel bad because it's Penn state athletics as a whole, but Penn state football has to be the spearhead because it is the cash cow. And I think that, that it, the things have moved in that direction. Penn state athletics, every athletic program is, you know, is its own level of greatness. But at the same time, the reality is, college football is such a bigger business than any of that stuff. And that's the direction that they've gone. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. 
for the for the record, I have never seen Pat Craft shotgun a beer. So yeah, he has not been to our tailgate yet. But not yet. check it out on Saturday if you're in the area. So yeah, we're checking on, on the details are on the board at uh, Blue Widows. Enough of this Saturday after the Blue White Illustrated tailgate. Uh, there's a football game that's going to be played between Penn State and Michigan State. What do we know about the fighting Spartans of East Lansing? Fitz? Well, we've gotten 22 and a half minutes without mentioning them, so that's not ideal. Um, but Michigan State, always a tough out. Um, it, it, it's always a tough out, but this is a five and six football team that's not headed in the right direction. Um, we mentioned that that uh, Mel Tucker, um, that b- badly distorted Mel Tucker uh, extension <laughs> that has popped up. Um, and hey, not every extension is going to be great. Penn State has Penn State has gone in one direction. Michigan State has gone in the other since those comparable extensions were signed. Um, but uh, this is uh, this is one that Michigan State needs. But I don't know that they've got the horses to do it. They're middle of the pack in the Big Ten in offense, uh, eighth overall. They're in the lower half in defense. This is not the Michigan state team that you think about when you think about the identity of a Michigan state program, this is a defense that can be beaten. This is a defense missing a lot of guys via injury. And of course the suspensions after the Michigan game. Um, So it's, it'll be interesting if Penn state is able to put up some points early, there is a snowball possibility with this game. I don't know, but given the, the recent history with James Franklin against Michigan state, it's, it's tough to, to forecast that right now. Yeah. And let's, let's, be clear about Penn State, uh, those early points have not been a thing for, for the most part. I mean, I, I guess uh, Maryland, they were able to score on that first drive. But but the first, like, I think it's a fair, it's not a critique, it's just reality, is Penn State in the first half of a, a good number of games uh, lately, offensively, has has not been clicking or firing on all cylinders at the beginning of those games. So it, it does leave open this Avenue. Like you saw last week against Rutgers where, uh, you know, Michigan state could have an opportunity to be in it early, but like to me in, in my interpretation of this Michigan state team and looking at all of their numbers and looking at who they've been this season, it's how do they stack up in a four quarter game? And over four quarters, uh, it, it does not appear to me as though Michigan State is equipped, uh, you know, to, to keep pace with Penn State. This this has to be a game where they keep it close through the first three quarters and and hope for some chaos in the fourth quarter because that's kind of what they've got on their roster now. They've got some some dudes. I mean, they've got some guys that are that are willing to. Um, you know, give Penn State some problems. You'd love to have Joey Porter back this week because these receivers are awesome. I mean, at least the, the top two, Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed, no relation to Jalen Reed, um, are really, really good. And they go up and they get bad balls. And Peyton Thorne has thrown bad balls. Peyton Thorne is Sean Clifford um, in terms of, uh, you know, continuity, in terms of the way that he's gone. His, his stats are remarkably similar to Sean Clifford. He's got 10 interceptions this season. Uh, he's only one of big two Big Ten quarterbacks in double-digit interceptions. Um, he's a guy that can make some plays with his feet, so you want to kind of keep him in the pocket. Michigan State has kept him fairly clean, just 15 sacks this year, which is the same number as Penn State. Um, but if you keep him in the pocket, he can – he can make a fantastic throw and he can turn around and just not even be close. So it'd be interesting to see which version of Peyton Thorne um, comes this weekend, but uh, that's kind of what they work with. Again, Keon Coleman, Jaden Reed, 
stars on the outside. Coleman, 50 catches, 707 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, Reed's been banged up a little bit this year, so his numbers are down 49, 605. But those are guys that are going to give Penn State's corners issues and not in the sense that Penn State's corners won't be in position. But these guys just go up and make plays. And I, and I love yeah. that about them. I love watching these guys go out and make catches in the red zone, make those tough catches um, because Thorne's not always putting it on the spot. And again, I'll say Penn State is going to be in, in spots where they're in good coverage and they might just get beat because these guys are really, really good at, at high pointing the ball, finding the ball and doing some great things. Uh, running back, they're going to run Jalen Berger, who will also catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a familiar name, went to Wisconsin, tra- transferred to Michigan State. Um, and then he's he's their their biggest threat out of the backfield. So they've got some guys that that can go uh, that can go after it. Uh the offensive line is fine. Um there's nothing uh that Penn State hasn't seen before, but you got to be aware of those playmakers on the outside because they they will hurt you in the sense that they go up and what we've talked about with Penn State's receivers so many times is you know they need to be more assertive and go out and and make those tough catches. Michigan State's receivers do. Yeah. Do you, I'm just given the way that the Penn State obviously likes its defense to operate is is putting Michigan State into second, third, and long situations via stopping the, the run? Is that realistic in against in this matchup? Yeah, I think so. Um, Penn State uh, has been playing with a ton of confidence, and they've been really overwhelming the fronts. I, I mean, I think it's probably the best front that they'll see in the last month, but the comparison there is not ideal. So don't take much from that, but Penn state should be able to get after it. I think what um, would worry me as a Penn state fan, the middle of the field, uh, they really attacked the middle of the field against Rutgers, which just completely vacated it. And they had some success there. And then of course you got to keep Peyton Thorne in front of you. Penn state has had time uh, trouble at times, letting that quarterback out of the front of the pocket and scramble. And I think that that's something that you have to watch. And again, when he, he he's almost more accurate on the run than he is um, as a pocket passer. So keep that guy in front of you. I, I love some of the stuff that Manny Diaz did last week with uh, moving that defensive line around with some stunts to not only uh, go after the quarterback, but also keep that pocket held up in the front and make him throw over offensive linemen. Thorne's not the biggest guy in the world. So you've got an opportunity that, and you've got an opportunity with 10 interceptions to turn that ball over and, and the sudden change can be very big this weekend. Yeah. And you, I mean, you saw it last weekend, right? Is, is that has, that was something that Penn state wanted to be at the beginning of the season and sacks weren't quite there. Interceptions started to come, but really, uh, you know, last week was such an exemplification of how Penn State can use its defense offensively. It's so cliche, but it's true. Is is creating points is a, an avenue that complementary side of things is something that Penn State has has really been hammering home, and you're, you're seeing that come fast. to fruition. It yeah. adds up fast, and that's how you yep. go from 28 points to 48 points. And just you know, you think about it. So, yep, um, that that sort of complementary football is is something Penn State has done very well. It's Michigan State's been hit and miss with that defensively. Um, they are banged up up front, and banged up by banged up, I mean guys are hurt and guys are suspended. Jacoby Winman, the transfer from UNLV that Penn State coveted very early in the transfer portal cycle last year, still suspended after the Michigan melee. Um, I don't expect them to be back. I, it seems like Michigan State is holding those guys out as long as possible for the criminal investigation and everything like that. Plus, they're you know 
they're five and six. So it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Jacob Slade is a good player up front. Um, he's been pretty, con- their most consistent. Cal Halliday um, plays in the middle of that defense. Southern Columbia's Cal Halliday um, got out of uh, got out of that area of Pennsylvania. Michigan State made a great evaluation, and and he's had a really productive career um, in the secondary. Xavier Henderson, probably the guy to watch back there. The safety, um, not a great coverage team. There were there not a great communication team, to be honest with you. If you look at, there's been some guys that have run absolutely wide open, and Penn State missing Parker Washington, searching for somebody to step up, they would love a wide open receiver wide, you know, throw uh, Mitchell Tinsley wide open or anybody on that, uh, on that team wide open. So um, this defense has been banged up. And to me, how do you beat Michigan state? You run at them. uh, You give them a big old dose of Katron Allen because Katron Allen is a team, you know, you you think big 10 backs, you think stereotypes, you think all these kind of things. Katron Allen fits in a, in a Penn state versus Michigan state game after Thanksgiving in November. And I know it's supposed to be actually pretty nice uh, on Saturday, but at the same time, just, you know, visualize the snow in your head or something like that, because (laughs) Katron Allen, I think can really give them a dose of, of what he does best. And I think that's the way to go is to try and run all over him. Um, There's a big leap uh, from uh, in, in in yardage, uh, excuse me, rushing yardage allowed in the big 10 Maryland's number 10 at 150 yards per game. And then you go to Michigan state at number 11 at 180 yards given up per game on the ground. Uh, That's a big jump. That means you've got defined tiers in the big 10 and Michigan state starts off that lowest tier in the big 10 in in rushing defense. You can get big plays through the air with, uh, with coverage breakdowns and things like that. Like I said, there's snowball potential in this game. I'm not quite, predicting it um i will say 18 and a half points for the way that this series has gone is a lot of points um in terms of the spread but i can see why the bookmakers and and a lot of people are picking penn state to win by a comfortable margin so what do you got what's the i got i got special teams pick. talk that i didn't i got special teams talk that i didn't talk about uh bearing the punter is uh, we saw adam Korsak last week and he's great Baringer's better. Uh, I, I know that's a hot take, and you're very offended by that um, as a guy that tracks Big Ten punters very closely. But um, he can punt the ball. He's really, really good. Um, and it's, it'll be fun to see which one ends up as the all-Big Ten punter because they're both fantastic. And that's the, once again, the, the top of the, the list in terms of the player power rankings is the punter. Um, not sure that reflects well on the team, but he's he's just really good, really good. And another stat that I came across – Michigan State has 11 touchbacks this season on 52 kickoffs. So that that number does not like you talk about James Franklin being upset with Penn State's uh, ability to get touchbacks. That is second worst to Whisk or excuse me to Northwestern, who just doesn't kick off because they don't score. So um, that's that's a, something to watch this week. In that Nick Singleton is going to have an opportunity once again to take one out. Punters become less important when. Uh, there are a lot of points being scored by one. Not, that's what I appreciate that greatness. Record. That's what we do I, around here. No, that's a good point. Was Barney Moore's last home game. So was Corsac great last that. week? Was that was Corsac great last week? He set a couple NCAA records. I mean, who wouldn't want yeah, to have the most punt all time and the most punt yardage all time? Yeah, I don't think that was good. Uh, no, I mean he was fine. Yeah, he was better than Barney and more to start. And then Barney stopped doing the rugby kick and then all of a sudden became the best punter in the big 10. So um, yeah, there's a lot to, a lot to talk about there, but uh, no, I mean, th- those guys are both really, really good, especially punting in the big 10, punting in the weather, punting in the wind um, and things like that. Uh, it, it says something. I mean, you can, 
it says something in this conference more than any other conference. Okay. 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 I'll take that. that. Yeah. That. But, okay. So uh, I'm going to go back since you upended my thunder asking for your prediction. What do you got? I got Penn State 34-17. I have my concerns about Penn State's um, effectiveness, effectiveness and electricity on offense without Parker Washington. And we saw that last week. It's it's yep. definitely something that they're going to have to work through. It's definitely something they're going to have to find a different avenue. But, um, you know, it, it, it's a really good opportunity for that running game to continue. Um, you know, maybe they get a little healthier this week. And that not necessarily Olu, but, you know, Caden Wallace seems to be inching closer and closer to coming back and, and getting those guys in. You can play uh, Veggie Yone if you want. You know, so you've got some options there. Uh, you got more options in the offensive line this week um, as you continue to get healthier. So I've got 34, 17. Um, I, I just need to see more from that offense before I can forecast more points. And that's really funny coming off a week where they scored 52 points. Of course, most of that, or a lot of that was on defensive special teams. Yeah. And that can and, happen again. And helped by the defense, but that's, that's where I'm at is I, I mean, I, I only have one, one score more than you. I have 42 to 13, but it, it it feels to me, based on where Penn State is at this point in the season, that this is where home run hitters in in on either side of the ball, right, including special teams, helps. It just right because you don't need to grind it out, um, which I don't think Penn State is particularly well suited for at this point, grinding it out. Right. Um, and so, if you have a defense that can set up either either directly get you points or set you up for easier points with a short field. And if you have a guy like Nick Singleton who can take it to the house in two phases of the game, uh, you know, that, that Mitch Tinsley who, you know, we'll see, but th there are options for them to get there. And it, it, it feels like this is the type of game where Penn state, one of that, one of those options will, will hit. It, it's it's not going to be a game of 80 yard drives you know correct 12 play 80 yards or whatever it comes out that you know, penn state is going to have the opportunity to get its hands on the football i believe um and, and it might be a close first half and like i said this last month of the season you're better than these teams you're you are deeper more talented um healthier in most cases um especially with michigan state and i'm, and I'm lumping suspensions into the, the health thing there but you've got an opportunity to extend that gap and see that talent gap play out over the course of a game and back to the vibe happier. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, a lot happier winning nine games than, than <laughs> being five and six heading into yeah, to, the, uh, the, the misery, their misery index is, uh, is no longer in effect. You in should any start case, the misery index. Yeah. Should I? No. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll stop. Uh, <laughs> I'm Nate Bauer. He is Sean Fitz. We are the blue white illustrated daily edition. Please like, uh, the video on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, please just, just rate us, get the stars or comments. Uh, they're always appreciated uh, and, and very helpful to uh, cutting down on my rants. Um, $10 from now until the end of August for your blue white illustrated subscription. That is at blue white We are part of the on three network. We appreciate all of it. So watching, listening what have you uh on on thanksgiving i am yeah. thankful and a yeah how about that that was a good transition goodbye much better than your intro yeah all right happy thanksgiving everyone.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.